0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World Podcast. The topic of this episode is... 10 tips for buying land. I'm gonna share with you information that you absolutely must know if you're gonna be transacting land. Hi, I'm Phil Pustyowski with freedommentor.com. All right, let's dive in. So with all of the competition out there right now in the house flipping sector, there's a fair number of real estate investors that think the holy grail is to now move into land flipping, land investing. And then also because the real estate market is so strong, there's a lot of people that are just jumping in and buying land as opposed to maybe putting money into the stock market or into buying bonds. Well I have often heard the comment that land is simpler, it is easier than buying a house. Well uh, the reason for that is they tend to picture the problems with maybe flipping a house whereby you have to deal with an inspection where they can find plumbing problems, electrical problems, there could be termite damage, there could be foundation issues and on and on and on. And that's true. However, land has its own set of issues, and usually by the time you're in the world of flipping a house, the original developer of that home already overcame all of the land issues and all the land details. So no, it's not the holy grail. It's its own separate set of challenges. But yes, there's plenty of opportunity in land as well, and so I hope this allows you not only to make good decisions, but also to negotiate better deals, because now you're going to know the ins and outs of land buying. Tip number one is terrain. Yes, you can look at Google Maps, and you can look at the satellite. In fact, they even have a, a terrain filter as well. But let me tell you, it's not until you actually look at the land that you can see what the terrain really is. So for you investors that think you can do it long distance, you need to see the land before you buy it. I'll give you a good example. I own a property in the Smoky Mountains. When I was first negotiating the deal, I saw where it had 2.8 acres. And I thought to myself, wow, that's kind of a nice little bonus. Now, I was negotiating based on just the log cabin itself. But I thought, hey, with the extra two, uh, 2.8 acres, doesn't hurt. Well, from the satellite view on Google Maps, it looked like there was just a bunch of woods behind the log cabin. It wasn't until I saw in person that it was a sheer cliff. It was 2.8 acres, basically, of cliff, which is basically useless. All right, so, sounds simple. That's tip number one. Check out the terrain. The only way to really do that is to see that in person. Tip number two, is it cleared land or is it treed? So you can see that on Google Maps usually, but it may be an older satellite picture, so you still want to see it in person while you're looking at the terrain. What you need to be careful of here is when you're negotiating, when you're looking to buy the land, you need to make sure you understand if the other comps you're comparing that, that to is cleared land or treed. Because to clear treed land it's not like it used to be. Sometimes you'll see where where parcels of land will have been cleared 50, 100 years ago. That's when we had a lot less regulations than we do today. In Florida, for you to cut down a tree that is more than 12 inches in diameter, you've got to get a permit. And then you usually have to plant new trees to compensate for the trees you just cut down. And if the trees get too big, you all of a sudden have to go before uh, an approval process. I know recently they cut down a 150-year-old oak tree in my town, and that was the big to-do. It was on the front page of the newspaper, and a lot of the citizens were just irate and angry. This is a tree. So be very careful when you're negotiating and looking at these deals that you understand the difference between cleared versus treat. Tip number three. You need to know if the land you're looking at has wetlands on it. What are wetlands? Well, it is a definition by the Department of Environmental Protection on the vegetation and the land being uh, protected. Now, thankfully, there is a tool where you can find this out. It's called the Wetlands Inventory Mapper, and you can Google that. Wetlands Inventory Mapper. It's a tool whereby you can search to see where the government thinks there is wetlands on the land and that is so significant for several reasons. First of all, it makes the land a lot less valuable because now in order for you to do anything, you're going to have to make major amends with the government. For example, in order for you to let's say put a driveway across a wetlands area which by the way it doesn't mean it's wet it doesn't mean that there's a lot of standing water there it could just be the fact that there's some maple trees and some other types of vegetation that the government deems as wetlands vegetation and there there are horror stories of developers who are trying to put together a subdivision there's a little in you know there's a little wetlands about about the size of a softball, and all of a sudden they have to shut down the entire development because of it. True stories. So, Wetlands Inventory Mapper is going to show you where the wetlands are, because if you have to cut, let's say, a driveway across them to get to where you're going to put your your dream home, for example, you're going to have to pay what's called wetlands mitigation credits. And they usually sell them by the tenth of the acre, because the value of those right now in the marketplace here in Florida is about $80,000 an acre. So for every acre of wetlands you want to develop, you have to pay $80,000 in wetlands mitigation credits. In fact, there are some developers that make a fortune by becoming a wetlands mitigation uh, credit bank where what they do is they will buy uh, land and they will work out a a contract with the government to improve that land to some degree to help with the wetlands. And then the government gives them these credits in return. And then of course they sell the credits to private developers. So you need to know where your wetlands are. This is a big deal right here. This can make uh, properties that you thought were a home run. Let's say you're buying on a a tax deed sale and you're, you're, you're investing from afar and you think, wow, this is the deal of the century. You need to look up their wetlands, because if there are, that might be why you're getting the deal this the century. Because the vernacular in land investing is called, the land is wet. So if that land is wet, you got a problem. Tip number four, you need to check to see if any of the land is in a flood zone. Now this is different from wetlands. Okay, a flood zone is determined by FEMA. And in fact FEMA has a map you can use to check to see if any part of the land is in a flood zone. and well, the flood zone, at least the nice thing is, you could maybe dig a pond right there in the flood zone, use that filter to maybe raise the land right next to it, and that's maybe where you put your house, for example. Whereas wetlands, you can't go digging a pond because it's wetlands, it's protected. But still, you need to know where the flood zones are. Because another issue is floods are very common. They've always been common. Somehow, people have gotten the idea that floods are this, this rare catastrophic event. That can happen a lot, and they happen all over the place. All that has to happen is some rainstorm just gets stuck. Some high-pressure and low-pressure system, the way they interact, they just... Leave that rain sitting in one little area, and next thing you know, there's a huge flood. So uh, that also brings up this point. Uh, July 31st, they're supposed to be uh, either extending uh, the flood insurance system or or other such legislation. So for you realtors out there, contact your uh, congressman or woman and make sure that they're on top of this subject of uh, of FEMA and, and flood insurance because this could affect people buying a house If you're trying to flip a property and part of it is in a flood zone and uh, and flood insurance can't be issued after July 31st of this year, that could kill the deal right there. So that's another reason why you need to know your flood zones are, because that could affect you selling the property to somebody else at some point. Tip number five, is: the property have any access to a county-maintained road? So a lot of land deals are done in rural areas. And sometimes that land does not have road access. And sometimes it does have road access, but the road is a private road, not county maintained. Now, this doesn't mean it has to be a paved road. It could be a dirt road, but it needs to be county maintained because unless you have that uh, county maintained status, oftentimes you can't get permits for a septic which means that the land can never have a house on it until it becomes part of a county maintained road now can you put some cows on there and run some cattle yes there's some things you can do with the land but you may not be able to put any sort of primary residence or any sort of residential property on it which can really reduce the value so you need to look at this, this is very common when people are doing tax liens and tax deed sales sometimes they will pick up land and it's it's, it's locked and surrounded by other parcels and it has no road access. Now it might have a driveway, but it doesn't have that road access. In fact, I know an investor who makes a fortune. What he does is he just studies the, uh, the maps of his local area and he'll pick out a property, if I can draw this. So here's your county-maintained road. He'll pick out a property that has a long road frontage and then it, say, has some parcels back behind it that do not have that county-maintained status. So he buys this one first in one name, and then he goes in with agents' help and buys these others. And then what he does is he slices this up, and he's able to give each one, for example, access to, uh, to some road frontage, and it makes each one of these lots worth much more. I mean, I've seen him do deals where he picks it up for four hundred, and he resells all the individual lots, totaling up to about $900,000. Guys make a killing. So this little angle alone can be incredibly profitable for you. Tip number six, utilities. So are there utilities both power and sewer running along the county maintained road or the road that it, it has access to. If it doesn't have sewer, so long as it's got a county maintained access, you can probably put in a septic, but that still brings in the electric side. Let me tell you, getting electricity to wherever your home site is going to be on that land can be incredibly expensive. So if the land already has an old mobile home on it, it already has something where the electricity's already been run to it, that is a huge difference. I mean, we're talking... 20, 50, $100,000 the power company can charge to run a line to get to the actual home side of where that home is going to be. So when land has access to utilities makes a huge difference, makes it worth a whole lot more. And so I hope you're seeing for each one of these tips, this is allowing you to negotiate better if you're trying to talk that seller down, but it also gives you that confidence when you know that that land has some powerful intrinsic value because it has many of these features in the position you want them in. Tip number seven, how's the cell service? So when you're out there looking at the terrain, looking at if it's cleared or if it's tree, you're trying to see where the wetlands are. If you looked at the map, you're kind of checking out the flood zones and you're seeing if it's kind of maintained role and you see where that electricity is running to it. Next, you need to ask yourself the question, how's my cell phone service? Because if you're going to be moving out there and living in that property, let me tell you, you need to have some good cell service. If you don't, it makes your life miserable. Sure, you could build a cell tower. In fact, I have a good friend of mine who builds cell towers in in Florida. A a smaller one runs about $100,000, plus you have to have the power run into it. So yes, you could build your own cell uh, tower, but man, that's expensive, right? If you have bad cell service, that can make everything miserable, even from you trying to develop the thing and just being out there at the land. Now, what some people look at is, well, what are my internet options? You know, can I bring in some sort of cable internet? Can I do DSL? I don't get as concerned about that anymore because services like Verizon allow you to have like a home Fi that can be on an unlimited plan so long as Verizon has some decent service. That's what I've done in some of my cabins in the Smoky Mountains because I can't get anything else besides satellite internet and that's awful because they they only give you a certain amount of data and then they start charging you a- afterwards you don't have an unlimited plan which is kind of ridiculous that's you know it's like 1996 kind of stuff right um so I actually care about cell service even as an investor if I'm trying to flip the lane because it drives me nuts when I'm out there and my cell doesn't even work kind of renders me useless tip number eight what are the neighbors like And you may not be able to figure this out right away, but if you're looking to move into that land at some point in the future, you need to study the neighbors. Do they have a big shooting range going on? Are they always shooting clay pigeons? Uh, Do they have a motocross track? Um, Do they have a landfill going on about a mile away where the wind could blow and make your house always smell? This right here is not as easy because you usually can't figure it out just the first time you show up. You'll have to go there a few times in the evening, in the morning. You'll have to figure it out to see what the neighbors are like. Go knock on their doors. Go talk to them. Find out uh, who they are and say, hey, look, I'm thinking of buying this land. I might build my dream home. Can you tell me what it's like to live here? Very important. I have literally walked away from deals because uh, of all three examples I just gave you. Clay pigeon shooting, motocross track, landfill, it's for real. So you do have to do that kind of due diligence as well. Tip number nine, endangered species. This is a very real problem if you're looking to develop that land in any way after you acquire it. Whether you're going to put your dream home on there or you have visions of building a subdivision. You need to know if there's any endangered species because that can shut you down and shut you down forever. Um, So the people that do the wetlands uh, delineation. So when you actually uh, go towards using wetlands mitigation credits, you first have to get a delineation done by a civil environmental engineer who then brings it to the water management district person. And then they go out there in person and, and actually agree on where the wetlands are and they're not. It's not just simply the mapper. The mapper just gives you a relative idea. They have to officially score it, they call it. And so that same person can help you with endangered species. So in Florida, one of the issues we deal with are gopher tortoises. These suckers are everywhere. They're all over the place, and supposedly they're endangered. Oh, but get this. They're going to charge you $6,000. All they do is pick them up, put them in the back of their pickup, go drive them over to some state land, drop it off, and that's six Gs per turtle. True story. You know, I get it. Of course, what some developers do, I don't know anyone who would ever do this. They put it in their own truck, drive them out there, but then you got to find the gopher hole, and you got to make sure that gets covered up as well. Make sure you don't cover up a live one. Other people I know have done that before. I have no personal experience in that. So endangered species, you need to figure that out as well if you're going to be doing any development. If you're just flipping land, this won't really be an issue right here, because by the time you flip it, that's somebody else's problem, but make sure you don't find out about it. You're better off being uh, ignorant of the problem if it is a problem. And tip number 10, you guessed it, zoning. Yeah, zoning is a very, very important part of land deals. And usually it is county specific, it can be city specific, This is the one that's gonna take you the longest to understand. You're gonna have to dig and dig and dig to learn exactly what is allowed and not allowed with zoning of that particular piece of property. And the reason why this becomes so difficult is because there's so many shades of gray as well. And I don't recommend you ever get into the business of trying to change zoning. Some people do that, it's a nightmare, it takes several years, it doesn't always work out because All the people living in that area vote against it, and this, that, and the other. So instead, you're looking for properties that already have the correct zoning, and not just the underlying zoning. There can be zoning overlays that can play a key role as well. There can be things that allow you. uh, I've done some deals in Daytona that had a zoning overlay that allowed me to do vacation rentals. Now, that, of course, got pulled aside once the, uh, the Hard Rock, marriott hiltons of the world all moved into daytona beach and got rid of some of my vacation rentals by being able to get in touch with the uh, legislature and remove some of that overlay uh, loophole that i had discovered anyways get your zoning dialed in and understand exactly what you can and can't do and then learn if there's any overlays that also play a key role another example is you might see a great deal in florida and you might say wow i can buy uh, 400 acres for a thousand dollars an acre. What a deal. Yeah, there's a lot of those deals in Florida. And you know what those are? Those are conservation easements, where what happened was the landowner sold the land, if you will, to the government in what's called a conservation easement, where they got paid three, 000, four thousand dollars an acre. And then now, basically, the government has complete control over the land, but yet you still own it. You can basically run some cattle on it, and that's about it. So uh, you've got to really understand the rights or the lack of rights that you have with zoning. But in America, you don't actually own the real estate. You you have your name on the deed, but technically the government owns the land, if you will, and you are renting it from them because they tell you what to do and what you can't do on your land. So if you're the type that you're going to buy some land and you're going to say, this is my land, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, you'll find out real quick you can't do that. So the government has complete control over the land and what you can and can't do. And they also charge you uh, what what I call rent or taxes on the land. And if you don't pay that rent or those taxes, they take your land away. So you don't own the land. You rent it. You rent it from the government. And so you need to be crystal clear on this zoning piece. And this typically has the biggest impact on values, right? Whether it's zone commercial, zone industrial, zone agricultural, zone residential, and then what layer of that, can I mean how many units per acre can you develop with that zoning and all that uh, all that stuff. So I, uh, I wouldn't be able to, to go through all the zoning details because they're all specific to your area. But if you make sure you check off all of these 10 boxes before you buy land, you're going to not only negotiate better deals but you'll make sure you don't make any huge mistakes and also hopefully you can use some of this wisdom to find deals and negotiate good deals and resell them as an example i gave you with the county maintained road angle where you're able to uh, create some uh, some little parcels that uh, that now have maintained access that didn't have it before. All right, well, I'm Phil Kustyowski with freedommentor.com. And if you want to learn more about how to be a first-class market-leading money-making machine real estate investor, consider applying to our apprentice program where my team and I work with people every single day and help them in becoming very successful in this business.